great. I don't know about y'all, but I've had a hard time with my at-a-glance chart with coming up for chapter themes. It's uh, like I got a couple that are blank. But uh, this one, I found, th maybe some of y'all did, I found 13 actually to be a, a breath of fresh air <laughs> in regards to chapter themes. So <laughs> I'm hoping. Anyway, so I thought what we would just do today is go over chapter 13 and 14, mostly go over the homework and just go over the segment divisions and then come up with a theme for each chapter. So... Um, I'm not Katie, so uh, yeah, so those listening to the recording will probably realize very quickly that I'm not Katie, um, and so <laughs> she's, I was telling Susan she gives me big shoes to fill, so, um, but anyway, I hope this can be, be helpful and beneficial to everybody, so, um, but I thought even though there's two chapters in this, I didn't really feel super overwhelmed as overwhelmed as I thought I was going to feel, I don't know if y'all felt the same way, but they kind of seemed to be in agreement with each other and go together, so. Well, why don't we go into chapter 13? We'll start with, on your homework, it's going to be page 118. And um, we'll just, and we'll, we'll do the, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, have us do the themes at the end after we've done all those segment divisions, and then we can come up with a theme and write it on the top. Um, so uh, on, the, on the day of your homework, she had you actually talk about, actually on day one, she said, uh, the words from Luke 13, 1 talked about on the same occasion. So she was just asking um, how that tied into the previous chapter. What did, what did y'all get for that about uh, how that tied into the previous chapter on the same occasion? Um, who was he speaking to? Or I'll, I'll just put audience down here. Who was he speaking to at the time? It's in verse 54, uh, 1254. He was speaking to the crowds about the the signs of the time and the judgment. I remember that. He was speaking to crowds, right? So this is just a continuation. I hope you can read my writing. Let me put this over this way. So yeah, I'll move this. Yeah, there we go. I'll move it this way. Okay. So we know his audiences are, th are the crowds. And I, I just wrote, got that from 1254. That was my reference for that. So let's, let's go to um, number three on your homework about Luke, uh, the segment division versus, well, well, we'll start with, that's for three, one through five, but we'll start with verses uh, one through nine is the first segment division that we have there. And what was going on in the uh, verses one to nine? Did y'all come up with kind of a, a summary for that? Mm-hmm, you will perish, yeah. What was going on? What was the discussion going on? Do you all remember what, what the discussion? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And the historical facts were actually really, specifically their tragedies, right? They were, one of them was in, sounded awful with what Pilate did and mixed their sacrifices, so it almost seemed like it was a, yeah, kind of a, kind of a, a crime. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Yeah, sure, I can. Okay. 
I will, yes, thank you for asking. I, yeah, please tell me those things, yeah, all right. Yeah, so this says, unless you repent, you will likewise, you will perish, and then uh, this is regarding historical facts. I will write bigger, yes, no problem. Thank you for saying something. Yeah, so we've got people, we've got tragedies. One of them was kind of like a, one of them was something that, I don't want to say, I hate to use the word hate crime, because that would probably be typical, but it was something like that, right, where something, it was like a, a crime was done, and then the other was a, what we call an accident, right? So one was, I, I would say, I, I'll try to write bigger, crime, and then the other was like an accident. But what was, the, what was the underlying question behind it that people were thinking in their minds maybe? What kind of, what things did he address? What was Jesus? Jesus always tends to answer what's the question behind the question, right? Right, yeah, mm-hmm. Right, exactly. He was like, or do you think these people, the, these people in Galilee um, and Siloam were any more sinful than you, uh, y'all are, uh, you know, and it's, it's probably addressing the fact that, and most of us don't, don't we all kind of think that way, like when something happens, we think, you know, did they do something to deserve it, or so, I think he was addressing the question behind the question, which was, no, they didn't do anything to deserve it, um, but I like how direct he was because he brought, brought it back on to them and basically said, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. So he basically turned that, um, he used it, used it as a, um, an opportunity to proclaim the truth to them. So. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ex exactly, I think, yes. It's almost like, you know, people, uh, it reminds me of people who kind of throw out red herrings about, oh, did you hear about this, did you hear about that, and Jesus, like, always gets back to the point of, like, well, if you don't repent, this is going to happen to you, maybe not uh, in this life, but maybe in the life to come, right? So, make sure I got this. So, then we, we um, so... I think I put verses one through nine because I think they all go together even though six was darker. I thought that that kind of all said the same thing because then he goes into talking about the parable of the fig tree, right? Okay, try to write bigger there. Okay, so what, did, what was he basically saying in the parable of the fig tree? Be fruitful, right. fruitful yes mm-hmm be fruitful yeah so it was kind of it was a it was a command and a warning right be fruitful or be cut down right mm-hmm You notice that too. I noticed that too because the guy the vineyard keeper was like I've three years I've waited you haven't produced any fruit and then the the uh, vineyard keeper said, or the man, yeah, the vineyard keeper said, one more year, give it one more year. And he said, okay, one more year, and then, and then that's it. Um, and it says at nine, if it bears fruit next year, good, but if not, I'm cutting it down. So there was like a, there's like a, I thought there was like a period of grace, right, an open door of <laughs> grace or whatever. 
But yeah, I know, did y'all notice that too about the one extra year that he gave? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to have to do something with when we talk further about later in the chapter about something happens where there's an a certain amount of opportunity and all of a sudden the door is closed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. So on this one, um, I apologize. I'm for fumbling or whatever. I because <laughs> I had it all. I have it all here, and I, um, yeah. So the fig tree. I feel like both of these. I, I feel like the whole tone of this that he has is, is warning. Right? It's a warning. It's like if you don't do unless you repent, you're the same thing is going to befall you. So the warning is to repent. And another warning is to bear fruit. Now, how would these go together, repentance and bear fruit? We had to actually look up um, the, uh, in C, in 3C, it's on page 118, it talked about repentance. And, and how would that tie into repenting and bearing fruit? How could, how could this repentance and this fig tree illustration go together? Yeah, yep, you hit it. So we had one of our um, cross-references was Luke um, 3, 3, 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Keeping. Is this better? Is this bigger, better? Is this better writing? Okay. I'm starting to get smaller again, Loy. Sorry. <laughs> So what did we also, it says bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and what did we learn about repentance? Re repentance involved a what? Um, what he, she had us go back and look at, um, look back at lesson two. <coughs> when we studied the, the um, word for repentance, what did, what did you get? I think it involves a couple of things, right? A changing of what? Uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the number. You're saying that's number 3341. Yeah. Change of mind and inner man. Yeah. And then I think mine also said uh, change in inner man resulting in corresponding deeds. So resulting in change of deeds, I guess. Do you remember when John was, um, do you remember it when John was preaching and he talked about bearing fruit and keeping with repentance, and then he was saying, you know, if you, if you do this, now do this. He was telling them actual ways that they could change, like the, 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 ta the, um, the, the tax collectors don't take more than you should. He gave them the specific examples of how they could show repentance, right, of how you, so, so that was the charge that, um, that uh, John the Baptist actually was giving. Oh. I'm sorry, I have two sections of notes. I have, I have the uh, leader guide and this, so I'm trying to go off both of these. So I just want to make sure I cover everything and be thorough. Yep. Yeah. So basically the whole point is here that if, if you do repent, there should be fruits or evidence of repentance. And um, 
and that if you don't repent, what, what's gonna happen? What will happen if we don't repent? Perish, we're gonna perish. And do you think he was just talking in the physical body or do you think he was talking on a higher level about that, about perish? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. And I think we're gonna get into that too as we go on later, um, later in the book, uh, later in the chapter. Let me, let's go through verses, uh, maybe I'll box this, or maybe I should do it, and maybe I'll have to do it in green or something. Here, let's do that. Let's go through verses 10 through 17 then. 10 through 17. So who and, yeah, who and when are the verses about in 10 to 17? I'm sorry? Yes, or... When is it? Actually, let's see. When? When? Uh, when is it? What? Ha- what day does this happen on? Yeah. Sabbath. So we now have something happening on the Sabbath. And then, and then, yeah, we can talk about what happened then. Yeah. Yes, healed. Right, woman healed. So it was Sabbath, and a woman. He healed a woman. So what was a big question that came up? Um, well, actually, we had two responses, right? I think she had us look in her homework and talk about the different responses that happened um, when he did heal on the Sabbath. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, it was in, it was in uh, the question five on page 119. So how did, how did some respond? How does his opponents respond, or how did the more the, the religious leaders respond? They were what? Mm-hmm. They were, yeah, they're humiliated. Indignant, indignant. Oh, yep, indignant first. And why were they indignant? It was the Sabbath, right? Healing on Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, because to heal is to work, right? And that's what he did. But then what I, I really like his response to him uh, in verse 15, and actually he calls him something. He's not very very nice to him. He calls them. Yeah, I always, I, I, as I read through this, I think Jesus didn't read that book on how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> he didn't listen to Dale Carnegie, you know. I, I know, I know, I know, I know, yeah, exactly, I know, but it's like, it's not the way to get people to, you know, like him, but that wasn't his point, his point was to, you know, he just, uh, say with this. Yeah, exactly, exactly, right. I'll put come another time, yep. Yeah, come another time, please. Right. I think so too, yeah. Exactly, and I I, I love verse 16 about what this says. 
This woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan is bound for 18 long years, should she have not been released from this bond on the Sabbath? If there's any day to do this, it should be on Sabbath. Yeah, he just, uh, that was a sweet, that was a really sweet verse. Because there were probably people looking down on her because she was old and bent over. And they again, like you said, Jill, if everybody believed that things happened because God was judging you, they might have thought, oh, she's under God's judgment. And, and now Jesus had compassion and now she's freed from it. Yeah, so they totally miss the force for the trees, you know. They're so focused on, on that. Um, but I loved how he called them out in verse 15 saying, well, so if your, you know, donkey, you know, falls or whatever, I mean, I mean, don't you even water your own donkeys on the Sabbath? Does that work? No, they need to eat. Like, you take care of their basic needs, so why shouldn't I heal somebody who's been bound? Yeah, exactly. And then as, and, um, yeah, and then as Brenda said, they ended up, they were indignant, but he also ended up humiliating them because I think his reasoning was so clear to what, you know, what was really important. Yeah. So interesting. So he had two, two responses. The leaders were indignant, but then the crowd was what? <laughs> Crowds were pretty, yeah, rejoicing, yeah. Rejoicing. Exactly. I think that I, all the all the other ones that we re have been reading talk about the crowds are always amazed about the wonderful things you've done. And I think I just kind of see Jesus as going around all these crowds like, where is he? It's like he's the next big thing and this is so cool and he's healing and he's doing this. And um, and we're going to get into that actually because he calls them into a point of having to make a decision about him. But yeah. So he, he ties from that and then he goes... Um, he, and then he goes straight from that into verse, um, let's see. Oh, let's see. I'm sorry. Let me make sure I got this. Right. Then he goes into this, into going into verses. Let's see. It kind of almost seems like a little bit of a, not an intermission, but kind of where he just, or just kind of a, aside but he talks about the kingdom of God right so we go in verse 18 through 21 and so what the main topic there I'll, I'll put this in, in black because it's better so what's the main topic in 18 to 21 kingdom of God yep. and he compares it to two things what does he compare it to Master C, uh -huh. and leaven, leaven, right? Mustard seed and leaven, yeah. So, what does it say about the mustard seed? It starts out what? It starts out. I don't know if y'all seen mustard seed or worked with mustard seeds, but they're. Starts out, I, I need to get this. It's like my writing is small. The mustard seeds are small. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry. So it's small, grows into a, a tree, right? It goes into a tree. I was reading about the mustard, uh, mustard, and it sounds like that they start out small, but they germinate quickly and grow quickly. So it's something that starts out, but it grows pretty fast into a tree. It's not a very big tree, 
They, they say they only grow like six to 20 feet, which is not very tall for a tree, but they also grow wide and low. But I think it's their germination is very quick that you plant it, it grows, and it grows pretty quickly. And, um, and then the, the leaven also, it starts out again, you put it in, uh, he says they basically, a woman put it in three pecks of flour and then it was in all everything. So basically, so what about leaven? It, it spreads, right, it spreads. So the kingdom of God is something that grows, <laughs> grows, and something that spreads. It grows and spreads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that could give us, you know, encouragement too, because it seems like a lot of times when you look at the world, it seems like, you know, the kingdom of Satan is pretty much on the move and kind of taking over. But to realize that God is always at work, you know, you know, God is always at work. And, um, and ultimately his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, right? His <laughs> kingdom will, will conquer. I'm sorry? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, let's see, we can move on again. So he's, um, move on to verses 22. I'll just make sure I haven't missed anything. But I, Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> and I think, I'm sorry. <laughs> Gosh, I feel like I'm fumbling around today. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get all my papers together and like make sure I don't miss anything. And um, yeah. Oh yeah, but she does it so much better, you know. She, I don't know. She does it so much better. I guess it's because I'm watching her and I'm not in her shoes, feeling you know, feeling crazy. Um, okay. Well, again, just if you just bear with me, if you bear with me, that's great. Okay. We'll just okay. That's Regine. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I just got on my notes. It's the spreading influence of what is typically concealed or starts as small, kind of like what Jill was saying. Yeah. And um, the only other thing I realized I missed here is uh, when we talked about the Sabbath, just something to remember, which I, I like this. In Luke 6, verse 5, he talked about him being Lord of the Sabbath. So I thought that was a... And he also has made um, another, another comment, too, and this is about the Sabbath, and this is from Mark 2, 27 to 28, because he touched on some of the Pharisees were missing that the Sabbath was made for man or people. It was made for our benefit, not we weren't made for the Sabbath's benefit. Not vice versa. So they were just, they were missing the whole point to the law or the whole point and he wasn't saying the Sabbath is wrong he was just saying you're misusing the Sabbath you're misunderstanding it so those are the things I want to add back to that one um. mm-hmm 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mhm. Mm yeah, you can't complete the process of baking or raising flour and Mhm. Mm exactly. You wouldn't have the bread you normally eat without it. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, we can go on to 20 verses 22 to 30. Um, okay. So verses 22 to 30, there's a question that kind of started the whole discussion. And what was that question? It was uh, in verse 23. There was a question that somebody posed. Which was? Yep. Few being saved. Yep. I'll just put RE. I'll try to write on the darker side of this marker. Few being saved. you being saved so how did so Jesus basically countered this um, well actually he didn't he did give him he did give him advice in verse 24 he said to actually strive to enter through okay strive to enter oh boy pardon my handwriting there through a narrow door tried to enter through narrow door and then he gave a warning remember the warning was that his warning was some will seek to enter but not be able to enter right exactly yep exactly because that's what happens so this is a good illustration. So in verse 25 to um, 30, it's it's pretty, I won't say graphic, but it's pretty, yep. Yeah, it is, it is, 25 to 30, yep, 25 to 30. So mm-hmm. Oh, right, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one is maybe not taking it as seriously, and you'll, you'll find out. I really like this illustration. I think he really just really illustrates it so well. So you've got a head of the household, right? So we, I'll let, I'll let you I won't do all the talking. So what basically happens in his illustration, what happens? There's, a, there's an owner of a house, right? So what happens in that in 25 to... Yeah, 25 to 27, what is he basically talking about? Exactly, he talks about, and it's like you said, a period of grace. He says, once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, that's it. You can knock as much as you want, he's not opening. So it's, it sounds like there's a limited period, right? <laughs> limited period of period of opportunity that's exactly right because that's what we get into into 27 I never knew you and I think too he um, 
So it sounds like his there there's a synagogue official, but he's also he's also talking to the crowds too, because the crowds were when he re- responded to the synagogue official, um, the crowd was rejoicing. So he's got a mixed group of people who yeah think they're in because hey we're sons of Abraham we're in just because of that. But then you've got others, and this is who I thought he was addressing too. It could be on uh, 25, Lord open up to us. He goes, I don't know you. I don't know where you're from. You're not one of mine. But then I thought this was interesting. In verse 26, he said, you're going to say to me uh, after the doors close, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. I think he's talking to the crowds here because, you know, he fed the fourth out. He fed, you know, crowds a couple of times. So they're eating and drinking in his presence. and They're probably following Jesus everywhere he went and listening to his teaching and he said, you taught in our streets. He's like, that's not enough to just hang out and be listening. He basically says, you're going to be left out, and I'm going to say, depart from me, you evildoers. So I think it just, I, I've, the way I understood it is he was telling the crowds that it's not enough just to be following me around and be kind of one of my, um, you know, not one of my followers, but one of my, you know, people that, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't want to use the, just, yeah, I don't want to say, well, that can <laughs> I was going to say that word, but that has a different connotation. So I'm like, no, so yeah, fans. We'll just say fans, okay, his fans, yeah. But it's more, you need to be more, you need to be more than a fan. Uh-huh. Yeah, when he said, so that was over in, uh, oh, in, in 25. Yeah, yeah, I do not know where you're from, Yeah. You know, the way I took it as, remember how it said um, when, when they said, Jesus says in the day, they'll say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all this? And he'll say, I never knew you. So that's kind of how I, I took it as the same way, like, I don't know you're from. But yeah, I didn't actually look that up. Did anybody else look that phrase up, I know you're from? I took it in the same way as he said that other one of, you uh, you think I know you? I don't know you. Just because you're fans of me doesn't mean doesn't make you doesn't make you right with me. So it sounds like the the way it sounds like to me is there's going to be people who think they're in. They think they're in the kingdom, and they're going to realize when it's too late that they're not. That the door is shut, and there's really that they're stuck. And so, what does he talk about? He gives a contrast of two places. So he has the places of there's there's a kingdom of God, right? I think our homework covered this because I think she had you look at homework and say who was in the kingdom. Can y'all see this down here? Okay, okay, back there y'all can see it. So who did they say was in the kingdom? It, it, in verse 28 it says you're going to see the, the fathers, right? You're going to see Abraham. You're going to see Isaac. You're going to see Jacob. Oops. Which for, was a given to his audience. They knew that they would be there. And the prophets. Right, so there's going to be the kingdom, and then there was what? Those who are outside are thrown out. So he's talking to the crowd, but yourselves being thrown out, so I'll put yourselves. Because there were either people like, um, like Carol was saying, the religious people who thought they were in just because they're religious and keeping the law, and then you have people who were following him around and being his fan club but had never really committed themselves to him, who were not showing the 
bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. They were just listening to Jesus. And remember what Jesus said to the crowd, you know, he who hears my words and does what I, you know, blesses is the man who hears my word and does it. So he's trying to tell the crowd, you can't just be my fan, you have to actually, you have to obey. <laughs> the way to obey Jesus is to believe who he says he is and then to do what he says. <laughs> And the other thing, too, we talked about in verse 29, I don't know what y'all thought about this, but we also, it says they're going to be, the, the people who are actually going to be in the kingdom, too, in 29 are people from the east, west, I'm just doing the abbreviations, north, south, right, so. Yeah, how I understood it is, you know, and, and we're actually going to see this in, in chapter 14, too, but I think he came to his people, and he came to his own, and his own did not receive them, right? And so, you know, anything outside of Israel is going to be the nations, right? You got your, you know, you got your east, right? East and north and south and west. In other words, I think they had their opportunity, but he's, they're going to, basically, they're going to be people in the kingdom that they weren't be expecting. There's going to be a whole bunch of non-Israelites and Gentiles, Right, and we're, we're going to see in the next chapter, too, how he talks about that, about gathering a bunch of others. Um, so that all these, the people that they expected to be there, Abram, Isaac, Jacob, and the prophets, but there's also going to be a bunch of people, kind of like you said, um, Janice, from the nations, you know, from everywhere else there. But the ones they're expecting to be in the kingdom, guess what, they're outside. And it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, Right? So I'll put this in verse 28, yeah, 28, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth. <coughs> what do you think that is a, what do you think that's a um, illustration of? We talked about it last week, too, with the, the Valley of Hinnom, the Gehenna, <laughs> hell. talked about that so again he's saying there's you know two options you're either in the kingdom or you're out and, and again there's this window of opportunity that you need to take and once that door closes that's it so when you see mm-hmm and it's that same one about the 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 dead, the Lazarus and the rich man. Yeah, that that's what Brenda's talking about. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> they we're getting into, that's what the next thing is about. He, he, he laments over Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill your prophets. He's talking about how wonderful they are, but you're the ones who killed them. You're the ones who, and the thing is, the same people who rejected the prophets, rejecting who? Jesus, he's right there doing everything, and they, they just, they reject him. 
Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. So I just feel like um, as, as we've been, I mean, I've been enjoying this study of Luke. Have most of y'all, I've really enjoyed it because a lot of it's Jesus is teaching the same principles over and over again, but he's saying it differently. And he just, it seems like in kind of time and time again, he keeps warning them and just in different ways of like, you know, enter through the narrow gate. Look at, you know, you got a limited period. The fig tree has one more year and that's it. You know, the, the kingdom, the door is going to be shut. And he just, you know, he's just this constant, in many way, many different ways, trying to tell them, you know, you got to make a decision about me. The time is short. You might not. The last chapter we talked about is on the way to court. You know, get right with your opponent before the court, because otherwise you end up in jail. It's the same. He just says it in so many different ways. So, anyway, so that's what I, that's what I like about studying this. As I see Jesus, just a thread of him just being very consistent about what he's saying. He just says it in a bunch of different ways. You know, and. Um, um, well, let's go on to verse, but uh, let's go on to 31 to 35. This I found a little ironic. I don't know if y'all found this ironic. The irony for me was Pharisees said, go away, leave, because Herod wants to kill you. And I thought, aren't they planning to kill him too? <laughs> you know, I don't know if that occurred to you at all, but they were also the ones who were, I mean, I'm sure not all of them were plotting to clear, kill Jesus, but the big plot came from the Pharisees. So I thought it was a little ironic that they were being protective of him. But, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that, Brenda, because if when we look in the next chapter, what is he doing? He's dining at Fer- the Pharisee's house. So there were some, yeah, so there were some. I think I just found it ironic because I knew that in his death, the, some of the Pharisees were the ones plotting. So it sounds like there might have been division in them. Some were plotting his death and some were like, you know, really, like Brenda said, listening to him. So there were some, there were some, I'll just put nice Pharisees. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It could be, yeah, leave what. And that was an excuse, exactly. Yeah, so I'll put nice in quotation marks. <laughs> nice Pharisees. Yeah, exactly. As nice as a Pharisee can be, I guess. <laughs> it's, all, it's all relative. It's all relative. Um, so basically, the, the thing that's going on is, Hill is, is Herod seeks, is seeking to kill Jesus. Or at least, so to speak, he's to kill Jesus. Now, this isn't the first time, right? Because Herod, when he heard about Jesus being born, he sought to kill him long, many years ago with what? With the, uh, with the killing, of the, killing of, the, of the babies, right? Uh, baby boys, right? Two and under. <laughs> Two and under. So now he's maybe on the war path again. I don't know, too. Remember, remember in a previous chapter where it talked about Herod was kept seeking an audience with Jesus but never got one? So maybe he also felt slighted, you know? He felt competition, because I'm sure the word of him, of Jesus, was getting back to him. I'm sure that this man is doing all this stuff, and, and um, he talks about the kingdom of God, so maybe a, a king might be a little intimidated by someone talking about another kingdom. And, and it could be, it, it could, I'm just, I'm just speculating, this is extra biblical, so I'm <laughs> speculating. Or it could be that, again, he, Jesus, he never got the audience with Jesus, and maybe, 
but for some reason he was wanting to kill them. So, but what did Jesus kind of say? What was Jesus's overriding? What was Jesus's response? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fox. I, I did. That is one word I did look up. And uh, did any of y'all look up? Just somebody's crafty. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Crafty. Sly. Crafty. Yeah. Sly. Kind of something often used as Satan as well. Even though Satan isn't called a fox, he's usually called a serpent. But a similar type of, yeah. Yeah, so his response was, go tell him what, that I, um, I don't the way I, how did y'all interpret 30, uh, 32 and 33? I'll hear how y'all interpreted that. <laughs> yep, yep. Jesus was staying on schedule. I kind of, t- I took it as something you could say, I think you take it two ways, because it could have two meanings, but I was saying, he's like, yeah, I'll be there in three days, but I'm in no hurry, like Susan said, I've got, because he knew God was, you know, he was always following God's lead and doing everything, but the third day I reached my goal, I thought the same thing Janice said, he maybe is ultimately saying, the third day, I will reach my, my ultimate goal of resurrecting from the dead, I think it could be both, I really do, I, I thought that, I had that same, same thought. But yeah, it said like he had a plan. Nevertheless, I'm going to journey today, tomorrow, and the next. Um, yeah, and this is interesting. He says a prophet would. It can't be that a prophet would perish outside Jerusalem. So I think, if y'all got the same thing, I was thinking he was speaking of his death in Jerusalem. You know, his death. In other words, just as the prophets have perished, I, I will also perish just like they did at the hands of the people, just like the prophets did. Yeah. What was the word? I'm sorry? Oh, behold. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his two of them, like behold, he was telling it to Herod, uh, behold, Herod, I've got a job to do. I've got things to do. The Father's plan for me, so I'm not, you know, whatever you're planning for me, you're not going to override God. But then he's talking to Jerusalem, behold, to them. So what does he say about, um, about Jerusalem? So this is kind of an indictment against Jerusalem. It's not very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What does it say? He goes into a. Oh, yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. It shows two things. You're right. A sentence against Jerusalem, right? Because, like you said, they, in verse 34, you, they kill the prophets, kills the prophets, and ultimately they will kill Jesus, too. He'll kill Jesus. And stones, skills for, and stones. I'm just going to put stones as sent ones, like apostles or uh, sent ones. Yeah. 
and that's in verse 34. Yep, so it kills them. And just e exactly as Brenda was saying, um, let's go ahead and just talk about Jerusalem. So it kills the prophets, and then, and, uh, then also Rebecca said, he, he actually has a prophecy in verse 35, your house. I think they add the word desolate, is left to you. Left. Desolate. Um, what do y'all think that, that may be referred to, that the house would be left desolate? What is that? Does anybody have any idea, maybe historically, something that happened that left the house of Jerusalem desolate? Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking the Romans, yeah, the Romans. When they took down that, because I was reading the history, and it said like they were under Jerusalem was under siege for like four years, you know, by the Romans. Yeah, so I think he was he was probably referring to something that was going to happen later in history. So it was a, again just like he's doing here, warning. Here's your warning, warning. But at the same time, what Brenda said is that here was Jesus's desire. Did Jesus want their house to be desolate? Did they want, he want that? Nope. What did Jesus want to do? What did he say he wanted to do? He wanted to, Brenda said, gather them. Yep, mm-hmm. Gather them as hen gathers chicks. And then we have, um, but they're, but what was their response, though? Yep, mm -hmm. So you'll see how all this fit together just with, you know, again, another warning of, I wanted to gather you, I've tried to do, I've tried to come to you and gather you, and you just, you won't have me, you have nothing to do with me, you're not accepting, you know, so he's basically saying, there's what more can he do? He's given them every opportunity, and you had the, the one extra year, you have the door open for a certain time until it closes, so. Um, so, what did y'all get for, I was actually able in this chapter to actually get a, to actually figure out a chapter theme. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> I can't say for the other time, um, but what did y'all get for chapter themes of 13? Um, or what stood out to you as maybe key verses, maybe key verses or chapter theme? Oh, that's good. Repent now. Enter kingdom. Before door closes, can I put that? <laughs> kingdom. Did you say, or door will close, or door? Door will close. Yeah. Sorry for my writing up there. Yeah, repent now, I got that. I got the, I put my theme, repent or perish. That's in verses three and five. Repent now or perish. And then God also, yeah, I put, I, in 24, seek to enter through narrow door. Enter through, strive to enter through narrow door. Through narrow door.
or anybody else get anything different? Or did most people kind of get something similar? Yeah, yeah. So, well, good. If we're if we're good with thirteen, we can go on to fourteen. I'll go here since we have like a clean slate here. But I'm gonna my chapter fourteen. I'll do chapter fourteen up here. All right. Let me just make sure I didn't miss anything. Oh, but I thought something more, in something interest, something at the end that he said. And how did y'all see this uh, when he said that you're not going to, you will not see me till the time comes when you say, "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." put until the time. I know they said, oh, Hosanna, but they did say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They did say that, didn't they? I have to actually look that up, though. I, I can't go, count, quote me on it. <laughs> That's true. I kind of saw it. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yes. Later. Mm hmm. Yeah. That's how I. That's how I saw it too. Blessed who comes. Remember that. He'll come again as their, their king. Remember, he came as their, he was expect, they're expecting him to come as the king the first time, and, you know, and it said he came as the suffering king. And now he's going to come as the conquering king the next time. So they'll finally, I think, recognize him for who he is. And I think of, yeah, and, and so, yeah. That's how, I, that's how I took it, that he will, he will not come until they actually acknowledge him for who he really is, the, acknowledging him for the, to being the conquering king that he is. Because I didn't see him addressing yeah. the adoring crowds. I saw him addressing those that <laughs> had Yeah. Yeah. And I think he had a mix of people because he had the, you know, the religious people there, but then he had the, who were indignant at what he's doing, but then he had the crowds who were like, oh, everything he does is so amazing. So he's got a, yeah, you know, he's got a, a group of people. <laughs> so... I'm used to being dramatic because I work with kids, so I, you know, do children's <laughs> ministry. So I'm used to being very dramatic. So, I, uh -huh, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, I just taught yesterday. Like I had three services in a row that I, that, you know, what taught or helped lead or whatever. So we had a, we actually tried to get the kids. We kind of have to wake them up sometimes because they're kind of half asleep. So we, I don't know if, if any of y'all remember Hans and Franz from Saturday Night Live. So me and this guy did a Hans and Franz. I was Gretel. I wasn't Hans. But I was Gretel, <laughs> and I was very muscular. And we were we just had a good, and we got them from being flabby to being, you know, kind so <laughs> of wake them up. And I was like, we come to wake you up. That's what we did. <laughs> no, <it was> so bad. <laughs> 
I could do it here. I mean, you know, it might wake everybody up. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, crazy. Anyway, so. And <laughs> uh, oh. Well, let's see. Let me go to. In chapter, okay, let me move on to chapter 14 here. All right, let's see. Get this out. Oh, it happened that, okay. Let me just get where I am in the homework, too. Okay. So on verse so on 123, day 5, it says, as Luke 14 opens, note where he is, who he's there, and what they're doing in respect to Jesus. So... So yeah, I was going to say so we so let's start with verses um, one to six. Okay, one to six. Can y'all see here? I don't want to. Here, I'll go up this way. Okay, verses one to six. So where was he? Where were his? Where was he? He was at a. Yep. Pharisee. Pharisee leaders. Yep. Okay, the House of Pharisee leaders. And um, so the audience basically, in this case, we know was the, the leaders, the leaders of the, the leaders, um, I'll put religious leaders. Uh-huh. The way I saw it as lawyers as being the, the law, the, the, um, the scribes. I took it as another word for scribes. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, the lawyers, because they—they, they, in other words, the people who knew the, the Jewish law in and out. You know, that's how I've always seen lawyers as. You know, yeah. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Yeah. So what? Ha here's yet another. So we're going back to the exact same situation that happened over here. I mean, they always seem to get tripped up on this. <laughs> Always saying, so of course what happens, what happens that kind of stirs things up? Let's see, event. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, I said, oh, you, I set up, so you're thinking they had somebody, somebody come who was sick to see what Jesus would do. And they're, they're watching him closely. I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't put that past it, Susan. I would not put that. That's a good point. That they could have been staged to see how he'd respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, it wouldn't be someone who normally would be there. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knew their reasoning, what their reasoning, right? So the event was, yeah. When I looked, did y'all look up dropsy? I did look up that. Did y'all look to see what that is? Uh, oh, kidney disease, yeah. Yeah, did anybody else look it up? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Swelling. 
And it could be kidney disease or heart failure or something like that. So someone who's noticeably swollen, either maybe his legs were swollen or arms were swollen. Right, right. So then, he, yeah, he poses a question to them. And here's the question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Make sure I quoted that right. Lawful to heal on the Sabbath. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So what was their reply? Or Sabbath or not, I guess. No, or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so here's the reply. It was, as, as we would say, you heard crickets, right? Silence. <laughs> they heard there's crickets. And they, yeah, no reply. They can make no reply. Yeah. So... But what does that show about the, the, the Pharisees, the fact that they couldn't even reply to that question? What does that show about them? On their fellow man, their fellow man or woman, exactly. Yep. But they knew that they knew there was a trap. They're thinking, their mother, well, if I say this, he's going to say this. If I say this, he's so they were already, you know, they're, yeah, it was already a chess match in their head. Well, if I say this, he's going to tell me this. If I say this, so they, they knew just to be quiet because they would set a trap for themselves. It's funny because they were probably watching him closely and very likely setting a trap for him, but the trap was really set for them. Right, yep. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. But I think there was a point, I think there was a point to it to expose their what was in their hearts and in their minds, right? And that yeah. But yeah, they knew they couldn't reply to that. So basically he makes he's he silences them. And um So then, so then we get a little bit more insight if we go on to verses, let me see, we go on to verses 7 through 11, it gives us a little bit more detail about what's been going on at this uh, Pharisee's house, so what do we find out in verse 7, what's been happening, or what people are doing at that party, or that, they're doing what, they're, yep, I like that one, yep, looking out for number one. Yep. I put that in quotes. I like that looking out for number one. So they're picking places of honor right at the table. Yep, looking out for number one, picking places at the table. Uh, but this is so then Jesus kind of counters with a little bit of a warning <laughs> when he sees this going on. Um, So this is, his warning is in, in, is in eight, 8 through 11, but specifically what is he wanting to do? Instead of looking out for number one and picking places of honor, what does he advise them to do instead? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so here's his advice right here. His advice here is humble. Be humble or humble yourself. So I think his warning is that um, his warning is that don't be disgraced. His warning is warning them to that you, you, you could be disgraced because what happens if you you go and think that big seat is for you, and then someone comes and says, "Oh no, that seat's not for you. It's for someone else." Then you ended up being very embarrassed and disgraced, right? That was in verse eight. When you're invited, don't take the place of honor because someone more distinguished could have also been invited. And then that, now the guy's got to come up to you and say, uh, you got to get out because you're in the wrong spot. <laughs> It'd be like somebody at a wedding, you know, going to the reception and sitting where the bride and groom are supposed to sit, you know, the table of honor. It'd be like, get out. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so his advice is basically go to the last place. Be last. Be last. Take last. And just... Uh, like what Lisa says, instead of looking out for number one, go be last, take last place. Yeah. Because it's better to be exalted by somebody else accidentally. They say, oh, come sit in a better place and to think you're in a better place and have to be humiliated. Yeah, because you can always be told, friend, move up higher. Right? So you can always say, yeah, and then you'll have honor. So this is uh, number 11, verse 11, I thought was good. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So I kind of saw that as, yeah. Exalt self. You'll be humbled. I'll just put an arrow there. Humble self, you'll be exalted. I saw that as a key point in this one right here, humble yourself right here in this, in this passage. And oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And even her, I think, when she talked to people who volunteered, they're like, they're like, she's like, if you can't be happy to be here, don't be here. Like, I want you to be here and want to be here. Yeah. Exactly. And then he goes, so we go on to verses, um, let's see, 12, 12 to 14. Let me go back here just so I can s just make sure I have enough space here, 12 to 14. He addresses a specific person in verse 12. It says what he addresses, yeah. I'll just put, I'm going to put his invitor. I don't know how to <laughs> invite. <laughs> invitor. Yeah, that's how I did. So I noticed, too, I, I marked the same thing. The audience, the leaders, and then the, the same thing here. I think it's the same audience, right? Because they were all picking up places of honor. And then, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's actually what I had written. Thanks for pointing that out. I'll write that here. Audience invited guests, yeah. So not the man of the house, but the guests. 
who were all seeking spots of honor. Yeah. And that is something I did consistently through chapter 14 was looking at audience because you notice there's a shift in the audience a little bit, yeah. Yep. So 12 through 14, the audience was the one who invited him. And so what is his advice to the, about whenever you have a lunch and what's his, what's his advice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at you. Right, look at the motivation because are you inviting just so that you, they're going to come and invite you in return? Because that's what he says in 12, they'll invite you in return, that'll be your repayment. So you're either going invite to be, invite to be invited. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, exactly. Exactly. If you invite people, they'll just be, be nice and invite to you. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's a good point, Janice, to, to look at motivation. Either invite to be invited, but Jesus' advice was what? Invite those who can't invite those who can't invite you back, right? <laughs> who can't return the favor, I'll just put can't return the favor. And why is that? Why did he say that it's in verse um, 14? What was, what's the, so if you're invited, you get repaid because you get invited back and you just, it keeps going back and forth. But if you invite those who can't return the favor, what did Jesus say is the, uh, the payment for that in verse 14? Right, exactly. You'll be blessed, and you're going to be repaid at resurrection. Repaid at resurrection. This is interesting, resurrection of the righteous. Of righteous. So then you think of the, you know, those who aren't going to go through the great right throne judgment, the resurrection of the righteous. Yeah, 14. So even that, he's indicating that there's going to be a resurrection of the righteous, but also the unrighteous too. But yeah, so you can either, and it's also, are we, do we have like a, are you going to focus on temporal things, on temporal rewards, or are we going to focus on eternal? He's saying, yeah, you can invite people over and they'll invite you back, but that's your repayment. I think of that verse too, when, when they talked about how you know, the people who pray in the streets and they pray and everybody sees them and he says, that's, they, they got their reward. But go pray in silent and your f heavenly father will repay you. It's the same thing, you know. You can either go for what's temporal or invite people who don't have the, you know, maybe just don't have the means to re repay you, but God sees it. And that's the other thing. One thing is visible to God, the other thing is more visible to man. Right, because, you know, I mean, if you're nice to the poor, they could go tell everybody, but nobody really cares about them or listens to them, so this is going to spread around how great you are and what great parties you throw, but these people, you know, can't return it, but God sees it, you know. It's all about what God sees, and then you get paid, repaid. Yeah, yeah. So, and then we have something happen. Let's see, I'll make sure I got everything. We have another section here in verses 15 to 24. 
And this, is the, this all seems to be brought on by a statement somebody makes. What's a statement somebody makes um, in verse 15? Okay, I'm writing tiny again. Okay, I'll try to write bigger. <laughs> That's why I used two big ones. I'm like, I thought that'd be good. Eat bread in God's kingdom. Bread. This actually reminds me... This took me back to the verse. I don't know if it did for any of you. Remember when the woman all of a sudden interjects, blessed are the, you know, breasts that nurse you in the womb that bore you. And he's like, no, contrary, blessed are the people who hear my. I, I saw this as the same kind of interjection kind of thrown out, you know. But again, he, it's kind of like, I know Katie pointed at that, that the one that the woman said, that he said on the contrary, but we have one of Katie's favorite words here. But, or at least she likes to draw attention to it, 16, but. <laughs> But he said, so, you know, Jesus could have said, yeah, that, yeah, they'd be really blessed people, man. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> but he didn't. He used it again to, to show a spiritual, to reinforce yet a, a spiritual truth. I thought this was really, yeah. So he, again, he uses it. He uses this to opportunity, I guess. Explain a spiritual truth. Okay, explain the spiritual truth. So then what does he go in? He gives an illustration, right? An illustration. What is the illustration about, more or less? Mm -hmm. Dinner party. <laughs> Dinner party. Okay, Dinner party. Man giving dinner. And Kate, Kate um, had you, uh, invite was one of our key words, actually. So you had to circle all the uses of invite right there. Um, so yeah, he invited many, okay, invited many. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did, yes. Yeah, because he said everything you say we will do. Yeah, they when they entered in mosaic coming, he said everything they said everything you said we will do. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Yeah, it's a good good tie in to, to Jesus and then to Moses as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so you... Oh, okay, yeah, I, I see that. That's a good That's a good point. That's an interesting point to think about, that there is, yeah. When I think, too, it, it reflects God. You know, through, throughout the whole Bible, he's always taking the initiative to, to meet with man. It's not, it's rarely the other way around. He's the one seeking out, you know, Abraham. He sought out, you know, he's always been seeking out, you know. Even Adam, where are you? Even in the garden, you know, where, where have you gone? So I think it's a, it's a God that really throughout history has been inviting, continuously invites us, you know. So I think it's meaning, but it goes back, like you said, to Moses and beyond. Yeah, it is. And so, so yeah, like you said, he invited, and then, so basically send out invitations, kind of like we would do, send out invitations, and the night of the dinner came. Now, how, how many of y'all, would it be to y'all, if y'all put together dinner and then no one shows up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we'd be angry. It says he was, he was uh, yeah, and, uh, and the house will be, uh, became angry, right? So he went to all this planning and they invited guests, but... Um, So, yeah, so this is about, so I think, so basically when he gives this illustration, what is this uh, reaching back to, right? I think it's an illustration of the kingdom of God, right? He's trying to illustrate, give an illustration of what the kingdom of God is about. So he sends these invitations. So the, what did the people, so basically what was the response of the invited people? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Excuses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's make sure I go here. Yep. So basically, all, all the, the he talks about three classes of people, right? They just all had diff- different excuses. One was about. You know, the land one was about, I've got to try out my oxen and see how they are. You know, I, I just got married. And, uh, so. Yeah, my wife, yeah, exactly. Now that I'm married, I can't do anything. I don't have any more freedom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's really true. That's bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's, and it's not like you're coming because you can't help. It's like you were and you were specifically invited and you refused the invitation. I mean, essentially, they refused the invitation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. These are all, I, as someone said, lame excuse. I, w- I would also say lame excuses. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's true. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, because a refuse the invitation is really, you, yeah, you're getting to the bigger thing, Lisa. It's really rejecting the person, the one inviting. Well, just right here, what does he say? I want to gather you as a hen gathers your chick. He said, but you wouldn't have it. It wasn't like, it was like you, you refuse. It was like you refuse. Same thing here. We sent out this, and y'all are just blowing me off, essentially, blowing me off. Mm-hmm. And what I really liked, I really liked about this, uh, when he, the head of the household became angry, so what was the, what was the um, house, the man's response? He's, now he says, okay, fine. These people aren't going to come. Who is he going to invite? Yep. Exactly. Yeah, we just saw that. Yep. Yep. That's actually a really good point. In other words, people that they avoided. And they thought, the people they thought they avoided thought didn't matter. I'm not inviting them to dinner. They're just, they're, nobo they're nobodies. Well, and that's not how God sees things. But, yeah, exactly, people they would never hang out with. So, and maybe even people they maybe at some level despised. Maybe because they believe, like, you know, Jill said that there was some God's judgment on them and that's why they were in this position they were in or something. But yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think so. I think he's making a bigger illustration. There's a bigger meaning. Yeah. He's, yeah. So he's basically saying the people who I came, and it just goes back to John. He came to his own. His own didn't receive him. So here's the invitation is to his own. His own people. Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, it's been done, and still there's room. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, go in once, and or, or what you command has been done, it might be as you say, sir. Like, do you remember when uh, Jesus, that, uh, not centurion, that Roman guard says, hey, all you have to do is say the word, and he'll be healed. It's like, it's as good as done. That's kind of how I maybe see it, as good as done. Like, you say it, master, it's done. I'm out, I'm out right now, getting it all done. So he's inviting all these people, and then he's, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the yeah, slave came back because the slave came back after inviting all these people and finding out their responses, and then the master says, "Now go out. Now, now you're going to go and great invite this whole group of people." And the slave was like, "I'm on." As we would say, "I'm on it." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. That's what it's tying to. These are the people that um, these guys would have nothing to do with. The religious leaders, that, you know, would have nothing to do with. Yeah. So basically, I think, again, I, but don't you think this is an encrypted warning? <laughs> I mean, don't you think they're saying, this guy, 
who again is with the Pharisees and all the people invited to this Pharisee's house. So they've got to be big people, important people in the religious community. And he's like, oh, blessed everyone who's in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is like, you, you might not be in it. In fact, you very likely aren't. Yeah, I mean, don't you think it's kind of a, a very cryptic thing? He's saying, okay, I'm giving a, you're giving a dinner party. I'm giving a dinner party too, right? The same thing's going on. God's calling you. Y'all are making excuses. So now we're going to have to go outside of y'all. Y'all, yeah, so he's, exactly, yeah, outside of here, outside of, yeah, your people. What? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't have all these lame excuses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that would, that'll, we also get into that towards the end, too. So, what I really, really like is in verse 23, because I think it shows the heart of the man. I think it shows the heart of God, so my house may be filled. I just, I really like that. My house may be filled. Because what that shows to me is that God wants heaven full of people. God wants his kingdom full. He, it's like he, he desires that no, none perish. It's like this, this is his heart, just like Jesus was like, look, I'm going to gather you as a hen gathers. I want all of you, as many as possible, gather you like this, but you, would, you refuse it. But I want my house to be full, you know? I don't want people over here. <laughs> I want people here, you know? But some are just like, nah, blow y'all, you know, refuse. And really, then they did refuse it. They were refusing. So I, I really like verse 23. I think that's a good good uh, view into the heart of God that he wants yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that's how we ended our study and if Kay ended our study that way too about that yeah I'm going to put that there and it's also at the end too um Yep. 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 Invited will not taste of his dinner. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for the small writing of his dinner. I try. I want to try to leave room for the last last few verses. Yeah. So basically, there he's saying, "Blessed are people eating the bread in the kingdom," and he's going. Y'all aren't going to be eating here. You know, unless something changes, unless you stop refusing my invitation, you're not tasting of this dinner. You're not reclining. Because they talked about the kingdom, they'd be reclining with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the prophets. So, yeah. So I just saw verses, uh, chapters 13 and 14, with a lot of warnings in them, just kind of tied in and just weaved in through it. Yeah, because he says, none of those men will shall taste of my dinner. But does he have a right to be upset? Yeah, he invited and they refused. There was no innocent people here, no innocent people being left out. It's like they, something was more important. And I think that goes in, I think it ties well into then 25 to 23 because these were all people who had, oh, I've got my, house, I've got my land, I've got my animals, I've got my wife. What does Jesus talk about in 25? I think he ties it together really well here. I mean, I think it ties into this really well. 25 to 33. But now he talks about the what? The cost of, or I'm using this word myself, cost of being his disciple. Yeah. 
Okay, now, but now who's his audience? Because the audience does change in this one. I think it's good to note that. The audience in this one, it says in verse 25, crowds. Yeah, large crowds. So now we're going from just a group of Pharisees now to the crowds. Right. Um, so what is he basically, he lists, let me see here. Yeah, he lists several costs of being his disciples. Um, and let me ask this, why do you think he might have said all these, all these again, I, I just feel like he needs to take the Carnegie's course on winning friends and influencing people and have maybe teaching people how to have your best life now. I shouldn't say anything, but you know what I mean? Maybe get more people. But uh, <laughs> I'm not saying any more than that. But anyway, but he's saying, look, I, I just feel like every time he has the opportunity to get a good following, he's like, you know, he puts it out there. And uh, every opportunity he can have to make friends, he basically says something off-putting. But I think it's because he's full of the Holy Spirit and he has to speak truth to people. So I wish I could be that bold. I look at him and just I fall so short of that, so short of that. And he knows what's in the heart. Of, that's true. He does know. We don't know that. And the other thing is, you know, he, like, calls them hypocrites. For me, if I call someone that, I think, if I got three fingers pointing at me that I'm a I mean, I always feel like, do I have the right to judge? I'm not, you know, sinless like Jesus was. So that always causes a lot of, you know, hesitancy in me to call people on things. But so what was he saying in cost of being his disciple? So basically... He sees people again who were his, as we say, fan club right here. He has his fan club, and he's like, okay, what does he say? You can't, you want to, you need to be, uh, this is, uh, this just came to me. You, you need to come being a fan to a follower, right? I'll just be my fan, be my follower. So to be my follower, what does he say in verse 26? He uses a, a strong word here, right? Hate, hate, right? Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. So she, so I know, you know, Kate probably was a step ahead of us thinking, Jesus is telling us to hate people. Well, so what did you see in your cross-references when you looked up hate? So she had, yeah, uh, in verse 7, it's on page 126. She got very specific to say, she gave us verses from Luke 6 and 12 and then Matthew 10 talking about hate. So what did y'all just summarize? What did you get from the word hate? Does it really mean Jesus wants you to hate people? Or is it? And also there's a word she also um, pointed out too, I think the leader's guide, hate your own. So it's, it, you know, these are people, you know, who belong to you, not everybody. This is specifically, he said, he made it personal. In other words, hates own father, own life. So, so you have to ha hate your own. Father, mother, wife, and children. I'm just going to put family. I'm just going to make it, you know, put in a big group. Family. I hate own family. So what would that mean to hate own family? I think the verse that I thought stood out on that one was Matthew 10:37. Does anybody have that? Does anybody um, want to read that? Matthew 10:37. To what hate really means. Mm-hmm. So we need to love Jesus more than we love our family. 
And do you remember what he said in that previous, I think it was even in, in uh, chapter 12 where he says, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. I came to divide. You know, yeah, I came to bring division, right? And I don't know if some of the experience in this family, but sometimes following Jesus can put you at odds with your family members. Yeah, they can. And some, some people, I mean, to the extreme of where their family members try to kill them in some countries, you know, because they're, they are... Um, you know, they're shaming the family by converting to Christianity. So yeah, hate own family. What else did Jesus tell us to hate? Not just our own family, we also hate to hate our own. Right here in verse 26, own life. Right, so hate his own life. What do you think that means to hate your own life? Does that, is he talking about suicide? I mean, is he talking about self-harm? What do you think he's talking about? <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. You remember what he also talked about in previous chapters about one who can, does not carry the cross. Remember he talked about carrying the cross and, and to um, die to self. And he says, what does it gain if you, what does it profit if you gain the world but lose your soul? You know, so, exactly. So hate your own family, hate your own life, right? And he even talked about, yeah, so, um, because what's very likely going to happen to his disciples is most of them are going to lose their, most of them are going to become martyrs. <laughs> so, yeah. And how about Jesus? Did he hate his own, he didn't really hate his, but how did Jesus show this? Did his own family and own life. What happened when people said to Jesus, oh, your mother and brothers and sisters are waiting for you. What, did, what was Jesus' response? Do you remember? Yeah, that's right, that's my family. He made that, broke that separation of being the son of Mary and Joseph to being God's son and said, yeah, basically my brother's sisters are those who obey me. Yeah, brother, sister, and mother. And then even his own life, did Jesus value his own life? What was he going to Jerusalem to do? He knew what awaited him there, right? He knew that he, he was gonna be just like the prophets and be killed, killed with them. So everything Jesus asked us to do, he's done himself. He's never asked us, he's, 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 led by example and then yeah so in verse 27 carry the cross he actually gives you and and actually what is he's actually prophesying isn't he he hasn't um he's been preparing the the disciples for his death but he's he's basically prophesying carry his own cross and come after me And then what does he give an illustration of? This is really interesting. He reasons with the people from verses 28 to 32. What is he talking about? Just um, examples. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm just going to put tower builder and king in battle. And, and what was his point in, in, the, in both of these? The, the tower builder and the what does the tower builder have to do before he builds the tower? Yeah, plant the plan. Because if he doesn't, that he said what they're going to have a foundation. How many unfinished buildings have you like go by and you think oh, those people weren't really smart? They didn't plan their, you know, or they ran out of money. Why didn't they think of that? You know, and and the king in battle, the king in battle had to do what before he went against another king. He had to figure out. Make sure you had enough men. Right. In other words, I want to make sure I have enough to win the battle. Otherwise, it's maybe we can try to make a peace agreement or something. But yeah, nobody does things with these, these kind of big without thinking, you know. So. 
and I think we've come up with something that's called count the cost, but I'll put, just so we keep it, I'll put calculate or consider the cost. And even though, you know, Jesus is warning about what happens to those who don't, you know, who don't repent and bear fruit, he's also warning you, well, if you do decide to side with me, there might be a big cost here. So there's also a warning of, you know, even to get into the kingdom of God, there might be a price to pay as well. Might be a price to pay as well. And so then we also talked about giving up. On verse 33, there's also giving up, give up possessions. That was verse 33. position um yeah so what did y'all look up because she kate had us look up that about what it meant to give up possessions does it not really mean owning possessions or what does it mean and, and actually i think she actually had you look up the word give up did y'all look up the word give up let me get i'll get it in blue Let's see where i have the blue pen okay did you say the number uh, brenda 657, yeah, 657, I've got APO, that's an A, APO, Tacitai, yeah. And you said, yeah, to renounce, um, what did you say, what else did you say, Brenda, I'm sorry? Yes, yeah, send away. I'll take leave of, leave of, yeah. I thought, so yeah, this word, the, like the first word, the apo, is like, yeah, away from. And then this, the last part, tacitai, is from, is order, arrange. So it's like you're ordering something and arranging something, but then you're going away from it. I kind of, the way I thought about it, is kind of like the opposite of hoarding. The opposite of, I think about the, remember the story about the rich man who's like had all this, well, all this grain, he's like, oh, I'm just going to build more grain, you know, things to store grain and eat, drink, and be merry. This is exactly the opposite. In other words, all these things that you have ordered, you know, go away from. So it's kind of like the opposite of collecting and storing it for yourself. So, um, yeah. So I, did you, in this, in, the, in this, she had us read, and this is a very encouraging verse right here. Matthew 19, 29. What did you see in that verse? What did he, what was his um, encouragement or whatever to those who do these things, who give up? Yeah, what does he, he say is a reward? Yeah, that's a big one, eternal life. And isn't this what all this has kind of been about? He's like, here's, you know, warned about what will happen if you get, the door closes, but he's saying, here's a reward, eternal life. And many times as much. In other words, you'll receive it back. But again, it's, it's, you know, against what they were doing here, it's either the temporal or the eternal view of things, right? If you give up these things that mean a lot in this life, this is what we have to gain, you know, eternal life, and, and many more blessing than what you give up. And I think of those people, like when I was talking about, thinking about possessions, I think of those, you know, missionaries who leave everything to go, you know, and travel, and, but then the word of God goes to people who've never heard, you know, who've never heard, and they labor for years, like translating the Bible, and 
I'm sure that these, those things that are, they're, I don't think they miss their couches. Maybe on occasion they do if it's uncomfortable, but I'm sure they don't miss it in the long run. They realize that look at what they have, not only eternal life for them, but for the people they, you know, shared the good news with. And yeah, so I'm sure all these things start paling in comparison, you know. And I think even our own lives, I don't think we have to have that example, but you know, what we give up, we'll get blessed. You know, what we give up for the sake of Christ, we'll get back, right? Yeah, he'll reward us. Yeah. So I think what he, uh, a question that Kay wanted to pose was, is there, um, is there proof of discipleship? And what does Jesus say about that? So the last, um, page 127.9, so is there, is there something such as proof of discipleship or can someone say, I'm a follower of Christ and live how they want to? We had three different verses in John 8, 13, John 8, John 13, and John 15. So, um, what do we find if you're if you're his disciple? Will will you? Will there be proof? What did what did John eight? So what did you get for John eight um, thirty one about proof of being his disciple? Continuing his word, right? Continuing his word, which to me continue would be to continue to follow, or like he said, blessed is uh, are the ones who hear my word and obey it. So obey his word, and then how about John thirteen? 35, what did that passage say about another way you prove that you're a disciple of his? Yeah. I'm just going to put it right here since I ran out of room. Yeah, continuing his word. And I'm going to put here other believers, right? That's specifically that all men will know you're my disciples if you have one f- love for one another. And, and then what did John 15 say? This is something that kind of goes back to this right here. He says, mm-hmm, yep, got much fruit. So these are all, all signs of being a disciple, of being a disciple. Continuing his word, loving, loving other believers, and bearing much fruit. Yeah, exactly. So she asked a question in verse 10. Do you, can you be a true child of God and not be a disciple? So how did y'all answer to that one? I <laughs> know, well, I do, yeah. And I'm not saying at different times, I know, I mean, at different times in my Christian law, there have been times where I haven't been, you know, whatever. But overall, overall, so let's do it. Overall, have we continued in this word? Do we love each other, love the brethren, and do we bear fruit? I mean, I think, so we're looking overall, you know. I know at times we, there's ebb and flows where we kind of move away from Christ and then come back, so. But overall, do we, are there signs of somebody being, a disciple if they're really a child of God. There should be, there should be. We're studying and with a group from church, we're studying First John, it talks about, you know, someone says that he has, he's with him but doesn't, you know, follow the commandments, you know, it's just the truth isn't in him, so.
So there will be, if you're a true disciple, there should be signs in your life. And again, this could be, a, I mean, in this study, it could be a warning, you know. I remember how Kay talked, I mean, Kay talked about just make sure the light in you isn't darkness, you know, make sure, make sure you're, or examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. I think that was in Corinthians, but yeah, so. Um, and then what, um, what Carol had said, I think Carol had mentioned this about how, Carol brought up Matthew 28, 19, 20, I think you did. That's what she had us send off in 11. I'd uh, write down what the disciples are to do. So, is that the? Yeah, oh yeah, this, yeah. We're, I'm not there yet. I will go there, so. Yeah, exactly, so yeah, go. Yeah, so we'll, we'll put the Matthew 18, 19, 20. And yes, 34 and 35 was kind of a, not kind of a warning, but kind of. Yeah, so let's go on to 13, 34 and 35. Yeah. <coughs> what was that an illustration of, of salt? <coughs> yep, yep, mm, yep. Exactly, so what was he saying about salt? Salt has a purpose, right? Yeah, okay. Salt has a purpose, okay. Yeah, it's a preservative. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. It preserves and adds flavor, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it did preserve, and it did, uh, it, did it was used as a preservative back then to dry things out. Um, yeah. And uh, and basically, salt. The leader's guide says it's use, it's good until unless it becomes tasteless, then it's useless. So, the context is being Christ's disciple, and a true follower doesn't lose his usefulness. So they're useful, usefulness, and doesn't yeah, continues to bear fruit. So maybe it continues to be useful and bear fruit. And bear fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's thrown out. Yep. Exactly. Exactly, so to continue to be useful and to bear fruit. So, mm-hmm. Well, maybe we'll finish 10 minutes early, good. Um, <laughs> and she was, they were talking about maybe tying this in to the soils, about the four soils. Remember that the seed fell on four different soils, but only one soil produced, right? So be the soil that produces, you know. Be the one that bears fruit in keeping with repentance. You know, therefore showing that you are, you know, of the kingdom of God.